So hello everyone, my name is Janet Ross. I grew up in a wonderful church in Waco, pastored by my own parents. It was a wonderful family church. We had intimate worship. We have great Bible teaching. We often sang a, a chorus with these words. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, over mountain or plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. And at the end of singing that chorus, I would always say in my heart, anywhere but Africa. Lord, I'll go anywhere. Just don't send me to Africa. And when I was about 13, the Lord began to speak to me about that. And he said, will you really not go to Africa? And I wrestled with him for a few months, and I finally said, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll go to Africa, anything for peace. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. And so 10 years later, the Lord did send me to South Africa. I thought I would be there about nine months. My plan was to return to the U.S., get my master's and doctorate, and open a counseling ministry. But after living there for six months, the Lord began to speak to me about staying on. He said to me, I want you to be here indefinitely. And since I grew up in a very loving home, very close family, I said to the Lord, why don't you call someone who doesn't like their family? I love my family. There's a lot of people that don't like their families, and you could call one of them. But the Lord said to me, if you will allow me, I will sever your unhealthy soul ties to your family that would keep you from obeying my call on you and doing my will. I will become your family. I will be your father, your mother, your sisters, your brothers. I will be everything to you. And I said, Lord, I can't, I don't even know how to pray something like that, but I welcome it. If that's what you want to do, my answer to you is yes. So if that's what it takes, Lord, do surgery on me. And he did surgery on me that morning, soul surgery. He kept me free from unhealthy soul ties. From that point on, I did not have a deep yearning to return to America. I grew in trusting and loving Jesus. I got to where I could hear his voice a lot more clearly. He did become my father, my mother, my brothers, my sister. Jesus became everything for me and to me. I served God in South Africa for seven years. And then the Lord sent a bachelor over to South Africa to preach the gospel. I rescued him from bachelorhood. So I left South Africa and I uh, moved to join him in his ministry in Jerusalem, Israel, after we got married in Waco, Texas. There's hope. There's hope to get married in Waco, Texas. So if you have a Bible, we're going to get into the scripture now. So if you have a Bible, go with me to Matthew 4. We're going to start in verse 17. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. From what time? From the time that he had left his home in Capernaum, directly before that he had been for 40 days and nights in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, and before that he had been baptized in water. So he'd gone from baptism to a wilderness experience left his home in Nazareth, moved to Capernaum, and began his public ministry. And the first thing he began preaching was repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's drawn near. 
the king of God's kingdom, Jesus himself, had moved into their region and he was urging them to get right with God. Repentance means to turn from going our way to going God's way. It's the entryway into the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't begin his ministry by inviting the sick to come for healing. He didn't begin by inviting the the demon-possessed to come for deliverance. He began by preaching repentance. He knew that miracles would only produce temporal awareness of God's kingdom and not the lasting fruit that repentance would bring. He did not want his listeners to just be aware of his kingdom. He wanted them to be a part of it. He wanted them in his kingdom. And that's still his heart today. You can observe what God is doing on the campus. You can see what he's doing in the city, even in the nation. But if you want to be a part of it, you've got to repent. Turn from your sin, believe the gospel, and embrace Jesus as your Savior and Lord. I'm going to read on in Matthew 4, 18. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to me, follow, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Then they immediately left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee their father mending their nets. And he called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So when Jesus called these four men, they immediately, that's key, they immediately left their nets, their families, their vocation, their possessions, their comforts, their future as they knew it. It cost them everything to follow Jesus. They didn't ask where they were going. They didn't ask when they were coming back. They didn't ask what they would do. They didn't even ask who would support them. They just left it all and they ran after Jesus. We usually don't know where walking with Jesus will take us, but we drop everything, and we run after him just like these men did. Now, most of y'all have the majority of your lives ahead of you, and you may be wondering, what would God do with you if you fully surrendered to him? Would he call you to be single? Would he call you to the mission field? Would he call you to marriage? That might be more scary for some of you. But I can tell you from walking with Jesus for over 55 years that his plans are always better than our plans are. God has never failed me and he will never fail you. You can trust him with your life. So let's move on. We're going to read from verse 23. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and disease among the people. His fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm so glad to hear he's already been healing this week. So verse 25 says that great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Judea, from Jerusalem, and beyond the Jordan. So Jesus was going throughout the whole Galilee region. He was preaching, teaching, healing the sick. Thousands of people were following him. 
They heard his teachings. They saw his healings and his miracles. And yet most of them never became his disciples. They observed his kingdom being expressed, but they did not embrace it for themselves. They followed him for what he could do for them. And our churches are full of people like that today. Many believe in Jesus, but they're following him for what he can do for them. They want to hear good teachings. They want to enjoy great music. They want peace and joy. They want to be free from guilt and shame. They want to live eternally with Jesus, but they don't really want to live with Jesus every day on earth right now. They want the gifts of God's kingdom, like peace, joy, forgiveness, without kneeling before the king. They may have prayed a prayer to accept God's salvation, but they never really prayed prayers of repentance or of surrender to make Jesus master of their lives. It's as if they said, Jesus, come on into my life and bless me. Don't mind all the stuff that I have around. Just climb over it, walk around it. I want to go to heaven, but I want my junk too. So come on in my way. But then some people want more, and I believe you're among that number. They want a close relationship with the Lord where they have intimate fellowship with him every day, where they hear his voice. They love Jesus fervently. Their hearts burn as they read the word of God, as they perceive the heart of God, and they willingly give their lives to him. And their prayer boils down to just three words, anything, anytime, anywhere. Jesus, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything at any time. You name it, my answer is already yes. When we surrender to Jesus, then all that we have and all that we are belongs to him. We live to do his will. Our goal is to know him and make him known regardless of the cost or consequence. We want to live every moment of every day for Jesus. We don't think, how much sin can I get away with and still get to heaven? No, we think, how can I give up everything so that God has all of me? How best can I live my life for his honor and his glory? There's a pastor in Peru who lost most of his church members to martyrdom. A guy from the U.S. went over there to interview him, and as he went into the church, the pastor took him through the church, through the back door, showed him the backyard, which was a graveyard full of graves, of his congregation. And the interviewer said to him, how can you serve a God that would allow that to happen? And the Peruvian pastor said, with surprise, we don't serve God for what he can do for us. We serve him for what we can do for him. We give everything to him. So we're going to read on Matthew 5, 1 and 2, seeing the multitudes Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth, and he began to teach them. So as Jesus saw the needs and the hungers of the multitude, he began to teach them what the culture of his kingdom looks like. See, we have culture. We have American culture. We have Southern culture. We have Northern culture. There's Canadian culture. There's cultures all over the world. There's African cultures and there's Israeli cultures. And then there's the culture of God's kingdom. And it counters most of our cultures. And so Jesus began with giving his disciples the heart attitudes that are foundational in the kingdom of God. We need to have these same attitudes. 
What we are is the foundation for what we do in God's kingdom. So he began with Matthew 5, 3. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Being poor in spirit is how our life begins in the kingdom of God. We acknowledge that we're spiritually destitute without Jesus. We have no righteousness of our own. We were born in sin, and it's natural that we continue to sin. Before a holy God, we are spiritually bankrupt. The poor in spirit confess and repent of their self-righteousness and their independence. They turn to the Lord knowing that they desperately need him. Everyone needs the Lord, but only those who admit their need get his attention. And that brings us to the next beatitude, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We mourn our sin and our needy position before God. We don't casually ask him to forgive our sin. We grieve offending him. We don't just confess our sins. We repent of them. We turn away from sin. When we confess our sin, God does forgive us. The blood of Jesus is enough for all sin. But we mustn't keep sinning. We need to beg God to deliver us. There's a big difference between being forgiven and being delivered. So ask the Lord, what makes you susceptible to the sins you keep tripping over in your life? And then plead with the Lord to uproot them out of your lives. Plead with him to heal the wounded areas of your heart that give place to those sins. Do business with God concerning your sin. As we confess and repent broken before God, we will naturally grow in humility, which brings us to the next beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. A meek person is humble. He doesn't resist God's will. He doesn't resist the circumstances or the people that God puts in his life. He repents of pride and arrogance. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite ones. What's contrite mean? It's the word that we get talcum powder from. Totally crushed of all resistance. Just soft in the hands of God. No power struggle. No rebellion against his ways or his will. Just full yielding to him. It's to be crushed of all rebellion and all resistance to God's rule. So God chooses to dwell in the high and holy place with those who have a broken, contrite spirit. God wants to bring revival to our hearts. I know many of you have been praying for revival. He wants to bring it. What we need to do is repent of pride so he will bring it because he comes to revive the hearts of the humble, the hearts of the broken. Matthew 5, 6, you're doing good staying in the rain. Let's get wet for Jesus, right? How are we ever going to do the hard things for him if we can't do the easy things? This might be one of the easiest things you do for Jesus. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they shall be filled. Hunger for righteousness reveals a desperation for God. If you're not desperate for God, you won't be hungry for righteousness. The more we know the Lord, the more we want to know him. We take time to cultivate our relationship with him. We're hungry for God's word. In the world of confusion and deception, we cling to the truth of God's word. We stake our lives on the scriptures. When we hunger for righteousness, our desires change from wanting worldly things to wanting heavenly things. Jesus satisfies our souls. Nothing else does. Nothing else ever will be satisfactory to us. Many of you have been crying out for more of the Lord in your life, especially in this last month, ever since we started hearing what God was doing in Asbury. We've been saying, Lord, do it in Waco. Do it on Baylor's campus. Do it at MCC. Do it at TSTC. Lord, come to Waco. Come to every one of our churches in Waco. Come to all of us. Revive the hearts of every believer in Waco. We've been praying this way. I know many of you are praying along those lines. And you, because you are so hungry for God, and you've realized you do not want to waste your life on mundane things that have no eternal value. You recognize that the best thing you can do with your life is to surrender it to Jesus Christ. You long for more of him and you long to give him more of yourself. So some of us need to repent of our lack of passion for Jesus, of our complacency, of our distraction with worldly things. As we draw closer to God, we see the sin in our hearts in the light of his presence, and we're appalled at how we have offended him, how we've grieved his Holy Spirit. We plead with God for mercy. We're grateful for his mercy toward us, and so we show mercy to others. In the next beatitude, Jesus went on to say, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We confess our lack of mercy, our unforgiveness, our resentment, our bitterness, our judgmental attitudes. We don't just confess these sins, we repent of them. We refuse to live there any longer. We choose to forgive all of those who have sinned against us and we cancel their debt. We, we need God's mercy, so we must forgive others. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. You guys, we, we can't chance that. We can't go through life holding resentment and bitterness toward others and risk the Lord not forgiving us. So we cancel their debt just like Jesus canceled ours. His blood is enough for their sin just like it was enough for our sin. Once we forgive, we're free. We're not enslaved to the pain and bitterness any longer. So that means we forgive neighbors. We forgive friends who hurt us. We forgive former boyfriends and girlfriends. We forgive church members. We forgive authority figures. We forgive our parents, our guardians. Psalm 2710 says, when my father and mother have forsaken me, the Lord will take care of me. God's parental love for us can go so deep that it heals the wounds and trauma in our souls. I so appreciated Josh Brown's testimony. You know, I was so blessed with my parents, but many of you have been wounded by your parents. And that has continued to haunt you. 
and you've tried to walk with Jesus, but you keep tripping over the bitterness. You keep tripping over the trauma. Tonight, the Lord says, lay it down. My blood is enough for them, even as it is enough for you. Once we receive the healing love of God the Father into the depths of our hearts, we find our identity in Him. We find our security in Him. We find our value in His love, and it puts us in a whole different place with the Lord. As we give and forgive, as we, we forgive, we receive forgiveness. We're secured in the love of God. Our hearts are purified, which brings us to Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Being pure in heart is being pure at the core of who we are. Pure in our thoughts, pure in our words, pure in what we do with our eyes, what we look at, what we listen to, what we touch, where we go. It's purity across the board. We repent of allowing the world and sin and evil and selfishness to define us. We repent of idolatry, all forms of idolatry. We repent of all forms of immorality, of all unbelief, of all pride. Repentance is our lifestyle as disciples of Jesus. We enter the kingdom of God through repentance, but we stay in the kingdom of God continually repenting as the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. You don't just repent when you first come to Jesus. That's when you kind of lay it all out together. Lord, I'm a sinner. I have so messed up my life. Will you please forgive me? Will you please come into my life? I repent of all my sin. But from then on, the Lord gets very specific and he points out particular sins in our lives. And so for the rest of our lives, as he shows us things, we confess it as sin and we repent. We don't want anything to separate us from the Lord. God is committed to transforming us into the likeness of his own son, Jesus. And we work with him by repenting and by applying the scriptures to our lives, by living them out. We don't just read the word. It's good to read it, let it wash over us. But we read it to know what do we need to do. Lord, speak to me. What, what are you saying to me in my life right now? And we say yes, whatever he's pointing out to us. There are many who follow Jesus for what they can get. There are only a few disciples. Multitudes follow Jesus. Thousands, they say up to 10,000 at one time were following him throughout the Galilee. How many became his disciples? It's always just a remnant. Will you be part of the remnant? Or will you be just one of those who follows him for what you can get? It will cost us everything to belong to Jesus but it will gain us everything that really matters. I'm going to say that again. It will cost us everything to follow him. Anything, anytime, anywhere. But it will gain us everything that really matters. And I can tell you from my experience, it is such an adventure walking with the Lord. Why would we not give up what is temporal to gain what is eternal? Why wouldn't we do that? Why would we cling to what is temporal and forfeit what is eternal? In Luke 9, 24, Jesus said, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So I would like to pray with you. 
I want to I want to kind of throw out an altar call in four different areas. So would you just bow your heads because I want you to to focus as I call these out. And just ask the Lord, where are you in this picture? So maybe as I've been speaking tonight, you realize you have never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never repented of your sin. You've never asked for his forgiveness. And tonight is your night to give your life to Jesus, to make that commitment and become part of his family. And then some of you have made that commitment. You've walked with the Lord for a while. Maybe you're not walking real strong with him right now. And you realize that you want to be fully sold out to Jesus. You want to surrender everything to him. You're ready tonight to say anything, anytime, anywhere. Jesus, take my life and use it for your glory. And then many of you need to forgive someone significant in your life and receive the healing love of God the Father. You're ready to receive the grace of Jesus tonight that will enable you to forgive. You know you need to forgive. You're going to make the choice, and the grace of Jesus is going to help you walk that out. And then some of you feel God is calling you to the mission field, and you want to say yes to that call. Maybe he's been speaking to you for years, and tonight you're ready to say, Lord, I'm not going to wrestle any longer. My answer is yes. So if any of those four describe you, you want to give your heart and life to Jesus, you want to fully surrender to the Lord, you want to forgive someone significant and receive the Lord's healing in your own heart, or you feel the Lord calling you to the mission field, then would you stand to your feet and we're going to pray. Don't be shy. Go ahead and stand. All around the field, let's stand up. Only if you're serious about these four. Good. Thank you. God bless you. Have you given your life to Jesus? I'm going to lead in just short prayers, and I'm going to ask you to pray along with me just under your breath. You don't have to pray out loud, but mean it from your heart. Pray along with me, and I'm going to pray each of these as if it's personal for me, okay? Just agree with me. So first, I'm going to just pray for us. I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're dealing with us tonight. Thank you that you haven't left us alone. Thank you that you haven't bypassed Waco. Thank you that you're doing things today, tonight, this week in our lives, in the lives of our friends on this campus, in this city. Lord, thank you for convicting us and tugging on our hearts concerning these areas. And so now I'm going to lead just in a salvation prayer. Pray this along with me if this is true for you. Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I have made such a mess of my life. And tonight, I am choosing to turn my life over to you. I ask you, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I repent of going my own way. Lord, tonight I'm choosing to go the way you're calling me, the way of the scriptures. I align my life with the word of God. I give my life to you. Accept me as your child. I want to belong to you. I want to be part of your family. And then some of you are praying prayers of surrender tonight. Repeat this after me. Lord, I'm so glad to belong to you. I'm so glad to be in your family. But Lord, we've, there's been a power struggle between me and you. 
I've wanted my will and you've wanted me to embrace your will. Lord, tonight I'm saying yes. Tonight I embrace your will. Tonight I say anything, anytime, anywhere. Use me for your glory. I surrender to you. No more fighting or arguing. My answer is yes. Some of you need to forgive tonight. Someone significant in your life has wounded you, traumatized you. Then, Lord, I pray you would give the grace tonight for us to forgive. And so, Lord, we take a hold of that grace. We take a hold of your enabling power. And we cancel the debt of those who have sinned against us, those who've wounded us, disappointed us, abused us, rejected us, abandoned us, hurt the people we love. Lord, tonight we choose to forgive. We cancel their debt. And we we confess, Lord, we know your blood is enough for their sin, just as it's enough for our sin. So Lord, would you forgive them? And would you heal the relationship And would you heal our hearts? Lord, would you wash the hearts of everyone here, fill every pothole with the blood of Jesus? Heal every wound. Heal every trauma. Lord, we're so grateful for physical healing. Right now, I ask for healing of the soul, healing of the emotions. Release your healing power in Jesus' name. And then some of you feel called to the mission field. Let's pray. Lord, my answer is yes. I will go wherever you send me. I'll do whatever you call me to do. My answer is yes to the mission field. I know that the labors are few. I know the harvest is huge. I know the harvest is in your heart. Lord, I align my heart with your heart. And I say, I am willing to go. Here am I. Send me.